time for today's episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, Commissioner of the Canadian Backyard Wrestling Federation and America's college recruiting guru, Dan Tudor. Coach, thank you for listening today to the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. You're going to love this show. It's going to make you think, and for many of you that listen to it, it's going to challenge you. And here's why. What we want to talk about on today's show is the toll of college coaching in your career, not on you, because we know it's tough on you, and you've made the choice to uh, to, to be a part of this world of college athletics and coaching and the demands that it requires. But I also want to bring up the people around you, your family, your spouse, uh, those that you have relationships with in your life. Uh, this is a hard lifestyle for them. It's a hard job for them. And increasingly, it's becoming harder and harder for coaches to balance that life, their coaching requirements, their coaching demands with the responsibilities and demands they have uh, at home. And so we wanted to talk to a coach who is involved in helping other coaches work through that and and find that balance to still have success uh, on the field, on the court, uh, but but also to be successful at home with relationships. Our guest today is Mike Lightfoot, who uh, from a success standpoint, uh, you can't argue that he was successful. He is a recently retired college basketball coach, one of the winningest and most successful coaches in college basketball, made his mark in NAIA basketball at Bethel College in Indiana. And uh, just one of the, the quick highlights of his career, he was the fastest basketball coach in history to win 300, 400, and 500 games in his career. So on the court, Mike Lightfoot was one of the most successful people in his profession. Uh, After his retirement, he decided he wanted to give back. Now, during his career, uh, was he perfect? Uh, No, he he struggled the same as, as many of us do in maintaining that balance in relationships. But he really put a priority on it. And like I said, it was successful both on and off the court in balancing that. And, and now he's giving back to coaches through an organization that was founded uh, many, many years ago, several decades ago, through the uh, National Association of Basketball Coaches. And the program and the, um, the organization is called Nations of Coaches. Many of you have heard of this. It's really uh, popular and well-known among men's basketball coaches and their 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 work goes beyond just basketball. And the purpose of Nations of Coaches is to come alongside uh, a coach who is um, who is in the midst of, of rising through the ranks in a successful career and is now finding that it's a struggle to maintain that balance. And the reason that I I wanted to introduce this at this time of the year is because as we're releasing this podcast, we're entering the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and that's a time of, uh, for many people, reflection. And I wanted to take a second, uh, as, as we usually focus on all the tips and strategies and techniques and profiling the coaches who are successful recruiters, I wanted to kind of take a step back for a moment and flip it around and and have you examine yourself. And at this time, 
uh, maybe as you're you're taking drives around the holidays, you're you're on the road, to just take a second and take some inventory with the help of Coach Lightfoot because uh, his organization is fantastic and the work that he's doing is really helping coaches. Um, so we want to get into the interview and our conversation with Coach Lightfoot, what his organization does, and what coaches can do to to really strengthen the relationship and their wins, so to speak, at home. Um, so we're going to get into that that uh, conversation with Coach Lightfoot. One small note that is uh, it's minor. Uh, during the conversation, you're going to hear Coach Lightfoot refer to me as John. Um, and I just, I was thinking, well, should I edit that out? I decided not to. Uh, the reason he was calling me John is because, and many people over the years have done this, because the last name Tudor isn't that common, and the only Tudor that they may have run into or heard of in their life was former St. Louis Cardinals pitcher John Tudor. And uh, so sure enough, that's what Coach Lightfoot just had stuck in his mind as we were doing the interview. Um, so we just left it in. So when you hear him say John, uh, he's talking to me, but he's thinking of St. Louis Cardinals pitcher John Tudor. So just with that in mind and that little uh, asterisk uh, that I wanted to mention uh, out of the way, we want to get into our conversation and find out the work that he's doing. And coaches, you listen to this, really take a moment to reflect on um, what you might need to change and, and the balance you might need to bring into your life when it comes to the relationships you have back at home. So here's our conversation with Coach Lightfoot. Enjoy it, and we'll be back with some comments at the end of the show. They are there to help. That is their goal. So take advantage of it. Um, and while I have a quick second, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you uh, as a coach for for doing what you do, for helping to, to mold and invest in all of the lives that you get to touch in the, in the players and the athletes that you coach. And I also want to thank you for what you allow us to do here at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. And for those of you that you know, that know me personally, or we've done work with you and your program personally, it is such an honor to work with you. And our goal is to help you on the recruiting end of it to make it easier, more successful. But but beyond that, it's the relationships that we have and that I have with all of you are really important. And I really value them. And during this holiday season, I just wanted to let you know that we thank you for the opportunity to work with you and get to invest in your life and be a part of, of your ride in this uh, wonderful and stressful and crazy career that you call college coaching. So have a great holiday season. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. trying to be a dad he's trying to be a coach and he also has to be figuring out i'm traveling from this place to that place so the main issue that coaches deal with is that the, they are moving up the ladder they're they're jumping from one city to the next and many times that leaves the wife behind to try to figure out what house they're going to buy where the kids are going to go to school all those things happen and so eventually 
maybe after the third move in four years, the, the wife just looks at this and says, uh, I didn't sign up for this. And so we see, uh, we see divorce rates very high. And you see that in, in other sports, too, uh, from my observation. Yes. For instance, over on the women's side, they, it's not necessarily a divorce problem, but just the demands of the job. I know we do a lot of work with the WBCA, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and one thing that they're trying to really foster are young coaches, young female women coaches that are able to kind of make it in the profession because what they see happening is that they start out young, and you have really good, knowledgeable basketball players, smart, enthusiastic, energetic coaches, and they get into the business. And the same demands that you just outlined, you know, from you know, uh, in on the men's basketball side, on the women's basketball side, they they get they're they're struggling with coaches who burn out, and or you know, the demands are such that I can't start a family, or I don't. There it limits them on what they're you know able to do, sort of on the personal side, and I think. You know what? What I hear you say is that maybe, as men, we just sort of, you know, <laughs> at at all expense, say we're just going to get it done, and whoever gets in the way, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm just we're just going to run you over, and you know maybe there is um uh there's a problem it seems like within the sport within the the culture of coaching that everything on the personal side, relationships, time with your family, just balance and being healthy you know, getting enough sleep and eating right and all that stuff, it sort of goes out the window. Yes, and the, the, you hit a key word, balance, where uh, coaches on the men's side and the women's side really find that they don't have the right balance, uh, the balance in their home life, the balance of being able to to kind of turn off the uh, the coaching uh, profession and go home and be a, be a mom or be a dad or just have the opportunity to just live a normal life and, uh, you know, the, the demands of coaches has just escalated so much in the last uh, 10 years where coaches, it's a year-round issue. Uh, there's a lot of dysfunction going on, not only in, in our culture, but also uh, with college sports and cutbacks and things like that. So uh, right. the coaches, they're feeling the heat in many directions. And so, uh, you know, Nation of Coaches has said, hey, we've got to be in the gap to help support and really, our key word is just serve coaches. Be there for them. Uh, call them. And just say, hey, what can we do for you? Because not too right. many people out there really helping our coaching profession. And I would imagine, uh, you know, after several decades of coaching at the college level, that you weren't born this smart when right. you got into coaching. Right. Um, can you tell me just, uh, again, as a younger coach, because I would imagine that there are a number of younger coaches that will listen to this, and they're starting to identify early on with some of the things that you said. I'm just wondering, you know, can you look back in your own career, what you did and, uh, you know, and so did you have to learn some of these lessons the hard way and maybe just walk people through kind of your experience, uh, you know, on that end. Yeah. I think that, uh, as, uh, I went up the ranks and then got to, to the head coaching position, I think that you're so driven and so focused on getting to where you need to be that uh, it's very easy to leave other people off uh, the page. And there was times in my career, especially early, where um, my wife uh, was, was to the point, she was saying, hey, uh, is this going to work for us? Because we've got two little boys, you're, you're at practice, you're at games, you're recruiting, you're doing all those things. How are we going to navigate this? And, you know, it was kind of a, an eye-opening experience where my wife was basically saying, 
uh, either we've got to make some adjustments in this game plan or it's not <laughs> going to work for us. I'm right. going to be doing my own thing and you're going to be doing your own thing. Uh, and so my wife basically said, I will get on the bus with you. I, I need to jump on the bus and be a supporter of the program. And our kids are going to be on that bus too, where we can be there for you and also be a part of the team. And I think that's the key thing that we encourage. Mm. We encourage young coaches, get your family involved at the very beginning. Uh, right. Get them at practice. Let them be around the team uh, and let that your wife help be a mom to these guys. So here's a question. As, as you were talking about that, the, the thing that came into my mind was, wow, that why don't we just automatically do that? Why isn't that just part of the, the deal that you, you maybe even an athletic director would encourage their coaches to have that happen? And you have some that do. But why is that such a foreign concept to a lot of coaches? For instance, you know, your, your wife, your kids riding on the bus or them being at practice and really being involved with the program. I think one of the things that all coaches deal with at all levels and all sports is that uh, they try to eliminate distractions. They try to eliminate anything that's going to allow uh, our student athletes to lose their focus. And so one of the distractions they can eliminate is, you know, maybe kids on the bus, kids at practice. But I look at it totally different. I think that we need to be modeling lives for our, our women athletes, our male athletes, and you know what it's like to be a mom, what it's like to be a dad. And in, in a culture that we live in, a lot of young athletes don't have that model. And so mm. they, they, can, they can see it and live it and be a part of it. They can see the coach as a mom. They can see the coach as a dad. They can see the coach as a husband and and. and or a wife in whatever situation. So uh, I just think it's very important, not just for the coach and his wife, but also it's very important for the athletes to really understand uh, and model um, what dads and moms are all about. Uh, Jim Haney, the, uh, the president of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, uh, started this, uh, this support group, this ministry for, for college coaches. It was something that Jim saw that uh, as the president of the NABC, uh, he saw a void. And so 10 years ago, uh, he met with our executive director, Tommy Kyle, and uh, they started plotting and planning and coming together with a way to help support coaches. And basically it started out with, you know, it was in a, in a garage uh, status where we were just trying to figure out what we're going to do and how we're going to get there. But uh, through the process of a decade now, um, by going to the Final Fours every year, I saw a nation of coaches. I saw uh, the impact it's had on other coaches. I started hearing great coaches talk about, you know, this this opportunity, this ministry, this support group. I heard Bill Self talk about it at Kansas, uh, Mark Spurgeon at Maryland, and then it goes on and on and on. Roy Williams and all these coaches have just seen a difference in their teams once they got involved in the nation of coaches. And so after my 30th year of college coaching, I decided, you know what, this is a time for me to give back now. You know, I've been invested in 12 to 15 players every year, but now I can be a regional director in Indiana and Michigan to really say, okay, we are going to step out front and really help coaches just maneuver and get through uh, this thing called coaching. Right. 
So a couple of situations that come to mind that I think are pretty common within within coaching, and, and you you brought up one of them. So I'll just kind of start with with one. And again, I, I'm I'm kind of looking for your recommendations for the coach that's listening, yeah. that's still in the profession, building their career. Uh, and then also if there's a way that Nation of Coaches can help in that particular situation or what you would kind of point to as a resource. So you have the head coach who's worked hard, uh, you know, mid-30s, late-30s, early-40s. You know, maybe he started a family, but uh, the relationships that he has within his family, whether that's the spouse or kids, it's not working well. And he or or even she is starting to feel that that's, you know, it's starting to be a strain and, and the personal life is not as tightly held together as uh, as maybe their their professional their coaching life and and again there's there's going to be a coach that's listening to this that that what I just said hits close yeah. to home what do you tell that coach again with, with the decades of experience yeah. you looking back uh, and now the work that you're doing with nation of coaches what 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 could you tell that coach what would you say to him or even to her I would say to him or her take a deep breath Evaluate your situation and then look to get support around you, not just your athletic director, not just your assistant coaches, but people from the outside. Mm, outside the outside campus. Outside the campus. And one of the ways you can do that is exactly what we're here for. Nation of Coaches, you make a phone call and say, I need help. And we're there to help. We will, we will have someone come and meet with you. We will have someone come and call you. And then the next step was, okay, would you be willing to allow someone to come into your life that will help you through this process? We call them John Character Coaches. Uh, we came up with this term, Character Coaches, and we've really seen that it has been a very valuable tool for us where we've been able to get a character coach and embed it into your program, that they're going to be there to help mentor you, to help encourage you, to help equip you with dealing with those issues. And we'll go one more step. Our character coach then also can help you with leadership and dealing with uh, the issues that your student athletes are dealing with. And this is all given to uh, you free. I mean, so this is something that we're just going to give you a tool to put in your toolbox to help you navigate through family, through life, through coaching. Because uh, we don't want to see, uh, we don't want to see a situation where your family gets left behind. We don't want to see another divorce and we don't want you to burn out and, and quit doing something you love. So it's simply a call to nation right. of coaches. It's simply uh, going on our website and say, Hey, uh, where do I, where do I look for help? And it, it's been blessing. Uh, we do date nights. Uh, we just finished one up mm. where we had uh, 158 coaches and wives and it was all free Chick-fil-A a national sponsor of ours uh, supported that. We brought in a comedian. It was a great clean night. It, it just those are the tools that we can equip our our coaches with, so they can they can get through uh, the grind of a of a coaching season. So, okay. So the next situation I would want to bring up is you have a uh, a coach. Everything's going pretty great. Maybe newly married. Um, he or she love and life. Everything is good. Um, and they're listening and saying, well, this is great. I don't need this. We're not in trouble. Is this, uh, you know, 
there's is there a preventative medicine aspect to this too? Uh, you know, is as you have young coaches starting out and they're trying to manage relationships and figure out again the balance of it all. Um, you know, before it becomes an issue, what what would your advice be just to make sure if things are going well right now to continue that? Well, I think that that's that's a great point, John, because I think lots of times in all of our marriages and all of our lives, we always feel that things are are great. But I think there's always uh, some some stress of, of coaching and stress of raising a family where we all need support. We all need people to come alongside of us. We're always looking for a mentor, somebody that can help us, hold us accountable so we don't get off track, we don't get derailed. And many times I think that uh, even when things are going well, we're winning games, our family seems okay, there's always going to be a bump in the road. And we've always got to have somebody there to try to help support them and so I just encourage coaches, find a mentor, find somebody that's going to walk you through this, some, an older person that you know and respect and, and have them come alongside of you and help support, support this whole thing called coaching. Because if you don't do that, sooner or later, the grind of coaching will, will, will take effect and then you'll see, uh, you know, see some setbacks and you'll see some relationship issues that start taking a, a negative effect. So when, what are some of the, the, I guess, the success stories that, that the organization has been able to, to, uh, to kind of point to, or even just in your limited time, because you're on the front end of, of this next phase of your life and working with Nation of Coaches, but what is it that, um, that, that you've seen, the, the work that, that has, has paid off uh, in the lives of the coaches that you've had a chance to work with, how has it helped? Well, Mark Spurgeon did a great job. The head coach at Maryland last year uh, spoke at the Final Four about nation of coaches and the importance of a character coach. Mark was totally against having someone come in from the outside and be a part of his program, which, let's just face it, most coaches uh, don't trust too many people. I think as you go right. up to a higher level, Absolutely. you just don't, you don't, because everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants something that uh, is uh, gonna be in the way. And so one of the things that uh, Mark said, uh, he said, I didn't wanna do it, but he said, Bill Self from Kansas called and said, you know what, this is something we've done in our program. It's really helped our players and it's helped me. So Mark eventually agreed to it. And after a period of basically three years of having a character coach and having a nation of coaches involved, he has come to the place where, one, he has grown tremendously in his personal life and his faith. His wife has seen a difference in the way he acts. His wife has seen a, a difference in how he handles losses. And, and more importantly that, his players have grown in their faith, and also they've grown in their character and leadership skills. And so now it's embedded in his culture of his program where he sees that this is helping him not only train and develop himself and his team, but also it's given them uh, a better team that has a better chance to win. And so it's spilled over into their football program. The University of Maryland has, has just embraced Nation of Coaches because they've seen so many good things. And I see that all the time. I talked to a, a young man. It's a coach. He's been at four colleges in five years. He's got two young kids. And his, his marriage was in, on the brinks. She did not sign up for this. She was tired of having the kids. You know, when you come home at night and the kids are – or having a bad day, your wife's having a bad day, and here the coach comes in and say, hey, honey, I can't stay. i got to get out and retreat. Uh, that creates a lot of stress. That's where he was. And we had a marriage retreat seminar in Atlanta that uh, we sponsor. 
and we brought that couple in and we put mentors into their lives and and I call him once a week and just make sure that they're doing life together. We don't talk about basketball, we just talk about life. And that's right. that's what we really need. We need people that are gonna support these coaches and, and they don't have to help them figure out out of bounds plays and presses and all those things. They just they just <laughs> right. need people. They just need people to come alongside them and sure. say, hey, I'm here for you. What can I do for you? And that's, and that's right. something that I've seen in the short three months I've been a part of Nation of Coaches. I just have been uh, just amazed at coaches that say, hey, I need your help. The, the website is Nations of Coaches, nationsofcoaches.com. Um, if you want to go and there's a resource center, yes. there's just there's a, a lot of information there for, uh, for coaches. You brought up something, Mike, that uh, I want to touch on, and the aspect and sort of the idea that there is this, this closed circle within college athletics. It's, it's a very sort of tough nut to crack into once you're in it kind of gets reversed it's you you almost encase yourself in either the program or the school or within your staff your little office and it kind of closes in and like you made a great point of coaches not trusting maybe people from the outside because there's all sorts of stories where they've been burned in the past with people who have um who've taken advantage of them or just like you the way that you put it you they want a piece of uh of that coach and I'm just wondering what is it about college athletics that lends itself to coaches kind of being sequestered within their own little world and then when pressure comes, not if, but when pressure comes, they really don't have any kind of outside resources to reach to many times. And I'm just wondering what is it about coaches, their personality or the way that, that we develop that that kind of lends itself to then being a problem later on. I think the, the big word there, and you hit it right on it, John, I think the, the coaches, and I think this actually uh, increases as coaches move up the ladder, but I, I would just say trust. Uh, it's very difficult for, for coaches to trust uh, outsiders because, because of the issues. There's issues in a lot of ways. There's issues now that we're seeing with the, the issues of uh, – uh, scandals in college basketball and college right. athletics. I think so. There's a trust factor there. There's issues where um, they, if they don't really know the person, that person could be perceived as somebody that's trying to get, you know, the inner edge, and then can find something out that will go on social media. So with the with the advancement of social media, with the corruption in the in the uh, in the sport, I think a lot of coaches are just living in a, in a box and they, they are very, very lonely. Uh, they don't have very many people to turn to. I think if I evaluate so far, you see so many coaches that hire their own former players because they don't trust mm, right, anybody else right. uh, with their program and with what's going on in the program. So it becomes a very, very tight circle. And I think that circle continues to get smaller and smaller to the point where Many times, coaches have no one to turn to. They're lonely, and uh, they perceive—you know—they got thousands of fans that, that, when they walk out on the floor, and they say, "Wow, this guy's got all made." But behind that that office door is a guy that's uh, very, very lonely because he can't trust the culture. He can't trust what's out there. He can't trust uh, somebody that's trying to trying to get an inside track and 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 take it to their advantage. So they just block right. everybody. So you've identified some of the things that Nations of Coaches 
can help with as an outside resource. But going beyond that, again, if a coach is listening to this, and uh, I guess I'm just wondering, what is it from a practical sort of uh, local level, what would you recommend a coach to do if they're feeling like, if they're starting to listen to this and they're saying, wow, I think he's describing me, uh, I'm just wondering, short of getting involved with Nations of Coaches, what are some things locally within their own you know, community, their own house, their own neighborhood that they can do to, to make sure that they have that outside contact, that they don't wind up as one of those coaches huddled you know, under their desk when things are going bad, you know, all alone. Yeah, that's a great point, John. I think the first thing that we try and encourage our coaches to do is try to find an accountability group, uh, men uh, trying to find other men that are going to hold them accountable to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I don't need to watch the third uh, film of this kid play in the, in the fourth scouting report on this team. I need to shut the door and go home. I think many times we have to have somebody that's going to hold us accountable to do that. So my, my encouragement and my, my suggestions are for all coaches to find somebody that's probably outside the, the profession of coaching that's going to hold them accountable to make sure that the, they're spending time, they're having date nights with their wives, they're spending time with their family. This is not just an a issue that's happening in college coaching. We all know the, our, our professionals sure. are doing the same thing. But I think every coach can find somebody that they trust from their church or from maybe an older person that's been through this as you know, one page or chapter ahead in their life that they can turn to and say, hey, I need help kind of navigating life. Will you right. help me do that? Well, right. And I think you bring up a point that that you know it isn't just with coaches this is a problem you know societally with relationships and balance and everything that we've talked about but i'll go back to something you said earlier they step onto that court or onto the field uh or you know they're out in public get recognized there is a certain um buzz or appeal or you, you sort of get fed artificially from the fans and from your um uh from Fame. i guess just the just the people that that are um, you know that, that give you sort of that rush that high whereas the business executive may not have that uh, so there's like this the, the public uh, you know sort of the public aspect that that helps feed it and is that necessarily a healthy thing when you're going through a rough marriage you're going through something a struggle we talk about balance and you know and yet there's this uh, this this attraction or pull towards, the adulation of your fans, your boosters, the crowd, if things are going well, I'm just, I'm just wondering how you see that playing into it. Unlike the accountant at the fortune 200 company that is kind of buried away in an office may have the same pressure without the, the, the pull of, of kind of the public. Yeah. Coaches are human. And so they, when they see all the accolades and they, they see the newspapers, when they see the fans in the stands, it's very addicting. And so, you know, that's the, this, the thing that uh, uh, separates coaches from a lot of professions is there's very, everybody's in the stand, everybody's very visible. And with that, with the success of coaching, with the visibility of coaching comes, uh, uh, to be honest, it's an ego issue. It becomes a, 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 a drug of everybody's seeing me, everybody's watching me, uh, everybody right. uh, loves me when I go to, uh, in the community, people know me. And so because of that, becomes a, a really a drug of embracement where you just feel like wow this is awesome because of that we we have a perception that's not real uh that can turn 
on a dime. We've seen coaches that have been successful for two years in their third year of their contract, they get fired, and that happens every day, where all of a sudden things just fall rock bottom. So coaches, they're living kind of a, a fake and phony life. They're perceived as one thing. In reality, mm-hmm. they're not. And when they're having so many great things happen in front where people see it, it's so addicting that uh, many times uh, what you see up front is not what's happening behind closed doors. It's not. With 71% divorce rate, right. it's not happening. We're seeing that it's just the right. opposite. The coach has left uh, the family, left uh, the uh, his wife, and moved on in a different direction. And until something happens dramatically in his life where he starts looking back and thinking, what, what have I done? Uh, you know, you see, you see a broken marriage, you see a broken family, and it happens in coaching. What is your advice to, and, and if this can be your, your own personal observation, uh, but also, you know, within the organization, I'm just wondering, what is the advice you give to the spouse, the partner, the other person involved in the relationship, the kids of a coach that, that you know, might, again, they need, they need the help too, what is it that that you tell them? What's the message for for yes, them? Yes, uh, you know that's that's very important. You've hit on something. I think that uh, uh, that spouse of a of a coach really needs to listen to. Uh, there are many organizations out there. One that uh, a support group is called the Gathering, and they can look that up on the uh, on a website too. That's also a branch of the National Association of Basketball Coaches, where the coaches' wives about. 10 years ago has said, Hey, we're in this together. And so the gathering is a, is a woman's coaches group that really kind of gets together and supports one another in the whole issue of coaching and, and dealing with the, their, their husbands on the road, or if it's a coach's wife, a female coach, a man that's really going to step up and help. So I, I think the main thing that we just have to have tools for the wives to be able to turn to, and give them an understanding that they're not in this alone. There are coaches' wives right. all over the country that are in the same boat, and they can learn from one another. We have found that this has been so important. And I think it's the, another good thing for a local coach right now is saying, you know, they're talking to me. Find a veteran coach and his wife that you just respect so much and, and go to their home, give them a call, and sit down with them some some afternoon, Sunday afternoon, and just say, how did you do it? How did you raise a family? Mm. How did you make this whole thing work? Right. I, I played for a guy named Homer Drew that did that for me and my wife, who set us down before I even uh, coached a game and said, here's the things you're going to have to deal with, Mike, uh, as a husband. And Jackie, here's the things you're going to have to do with as as a wife you're gonna you're gonna be sitting in the stands and people are gonna be yelling and screaming at mike how are you how are you gonna handle that you know and my boys when they were five and three years old my wife was at a game and and all of a sudden she hears this guy just berating me and you know my sons are saying why are they yelling at daddy like that you know she's got to be able to respond well she did something pretty clever i thought she went and took those two little boys and said these two little guys say that they don't know you and you don't know my daddy, but why are you yelling so many bad things to him? Could you tell him? That, that kind of quieted <laughs> that guy down. But I think, but I think that yeah. <laughs> wives need other wives to help him in that process. And we found that that's just a, right. a huge tool that uh, wives can be so supportive of one another. And, and so I think that's another part of 
uh, of not only Nation of Coaches, not only of the NABC, but I think it's just wise advice. Find an older couple that have been through the same type of things and ask questions. How did you get through it? How did you make this whole thing work so your family wasn't a, a number that uh, leads in you know self-destruction? Right. And obviously the work that, that Nations of Coaches uh, does is centered around men's basketball through the NABC. I'm just wondering if you're a, you know, a, a women's softball coach that's yeah. listening to this and, um, you know, so you're a coach and, you know, your husband is at home or he's in another, another profession, another job. Um, does the organization help in those cases? And, and if, if not, or if that's not the main focus, where what would you say to her? Because you have, with the rise of women's sports, you have a lot Absolutely. of great women's coaches who are feeling yeah. the same pressure. And I'm just, you know, can you sort of speak to that a little bit in terms of what, is it the same thing that, that they have to deal with, you find? The coaches that you worked with that were women's coaches, were they dealing with some of the same pressures and and the same struggles that uh, you know the, where the balance issue That's comes sure into play? It again? is true, and I, this hits home with me because my uh, my daughter in law is a head softball coach at a, a state university, and hmm. and you know she's trying to she's got a three month old and she's trying to be a wife, she's trying to be uh, a mother of a newborn, and she's also got a softball team that she's trying to work with. So the advice I would give, again, I think that the, uh, every coach out there has the same issues. And they're dealing with the same problems. Right. They just need to find a, a accountability group, people that they can really trust. Again, there are people out there that I know all of our coaches have people that they admire and they look up to that they can reach out to and say, hey, I need help making this happen for me and for my family. I need help. I think we need to be a little bit more vulnerable as coaches and say, you know, we'll figure this out. We'll outwork everybody else. I think the secret to all this is being vulnerable enough to reach out for help and find somebody that they trust that is going to help navigate and help them be able to make all the right decisions and get their priorities straight so they don't get all wrapped up in, in themselves and in, in their programs where they leave other people behind. Find people that can help support you. Find people that are going to be right. there for you. There are people at your church. There's people in your community. There are former coaches, that uh, retired coaches, that can really help and assist you. So spend time with them. And I think that just gives them a ground zero base where they can, they can go to some place and get a safe place where they can kind of share what's going on in their lives and have somebody that can listen to them and hold them accountable. A question, as we're talking about balance and sort of maintaining that coaching profession and, and building the relationships at home, which is important, and that's the main focus of Nations of Coaches, I'm just wondering, you know, I think back as you were talking, Mike, I was thinking back to the early 90s when uh, you had Bill yes. McCartney, the football coach at University of Colorado, Basically, come to the point where he said, and I've listened and you know, listened to, to him talk before, where he basically said, "I was not. I, I realized that I was not treating my wife fairly, at least in his mind, the way that he surveyed his own personal landscape. I wasn't doing right. I yes. need to get out of coaching. In in basically, I'm, I'm going to put that relationship first. 
I'm going to stop being a college football coach because for him, he couldn't achieve that balance or at least to the level that it was uh, right in his mind. Uh, he went on to start a, an organization called Promise Keepers, which you know in the '90s it was really had a, a strong mm-hmm. focus towards men becoming uh, you know really the support at home and 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 kind of leading those relationships and not really yes. doing everything that you're saying, uh, basically not sacrificing the personal relationships for for outside success. So I'm just wondering, at what point? Would you tell a coach or, or should a coach look for signs where they would say, you know what, this may not be the right profession for me, not because I'm not a good coach and not successful because oh, heck, Bill yes. McCartney at the time, you look at the early, you know, late 80s, early 90s, he was one of the most successful coaches in the country and he walked away from it. Uh, when, when, what are the signs or at what point would you advise a coach maybe that you were just talking to one-on-one to say maybe it's time you know, to get I think out of coaching. take personal inventory every day, John. I think the coaches are just going to have to start asking questions, you know. And, you know, honestly, it's very difficult for coaches to be real and honest with themselves. Uh, they simply think that the, uh, they can outwork things. They can make things happen. They do it on the court. They do, they do things uh, in their personal life. And they've been successful because uh, – they know what they're doing, but at the same time, they're very blind. I think we have blind spots, just like we're driving a car and we don't see the, the blind spots. And I think coaches, uh, the, their area of weakness is their blind spots. They have to go back and take personal mm-hmm. inventory. They need to listen to what their spouse is saying. I'm sure that Coach McCartney did that. I think he finally wised up and said, you know what, uh, there are a lot of things happening. You know, Urban Meyer has been a great example of that When Urban Meyer... Uh, was uh, coaching at Florida. He basically had to get out of it because of health reasons. He got out of it because his daughter told him, you know what, you have not been there for me. Uh, That's an ouch moment. And I think that he had to kind of step aside and say, you know what, this is crazy. I'm living in a a people-pleasing business where I just can never please enough people. There's always another game. There's another championship there's another ladder to climb, and you know when I get to the top, I'm realizing I'm I'm leaning against the wrong wall. And I think that that's what coaches need to do. They need to evaluate themselves. They need to listen to people and say, you know what, you know you don't have things right in your life. You are really struggling. It took someone like that for Urban Meyer to finally wake up at Ohio State University, or at that time Florida, and you know what he said, I need to step aside. I need to get my priorities back in life. I need to understand my faith's got to come back in my life. I've got to understand that my family, my wife, my kids are the most important thing to me. So I think that's really the issue. I think there's a lot of people out there and a lot of coaches out there that feel like they're trapped. They don't. They feel like they can't do anything else but coach. And that's that's not right. right. They can. And if they, if right. they feel that this is, is, is ruining their health and their lives and uh, their family's lives, um, then they need to get out of it. But they need to find a personal uh, accountability group, and they need to find people that are going to speak truth into them. Uh, don't tell, you know, coaches hear a lot of, especially higher up, they hear things that, that they're told that they think they want to hear, and people just tell them those things, so it feeds the fire. Uh, they just need to, they sure, just need to sure. take an inventory and look around and then say, where are my priorities? Here's the question I ask young coaches all the time. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do? And if you can be honestly thinking about that, why do you do what you do? And every day, if you wake up in the morning with the why and you have a purpose 
uh, and, and those things are aligned, I think then you can be successful. But if you wake up in the morning and say, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for just me or whatever? I think you have to go back and take a step back and say, I need to maybe look in another direction. And there's a lot of, there's been a lot of cases where coaches have done that and they've survived. They've been fine. But too many times they don't because they don't get the right advice from the right people. Right. Okay. So the last thing that I want you to maybe talk about is, you know, just imagining again that a coach that's been listening to this is kind of doing those mental checks. Is this me? Is he talking about me? Uh, do I need to, to pay attention to this? And assuming they're starting to feel a little bit, uh, maybe it's guilt or maybe it's just a, a realization. Maybe it's just confirmation of that feeling that's been gnawing at them that I'm just out of balance a little bit. And I need, I need, a, I just need more balance. Can you just kind of close off the conversation by encouraging that coach or talking to them uh, you know, just to just to sort of get them going in the right direction from this moment on as, a, as you know, what they're listening to is ending? What would you tell them? And again, coming in with decades of coaching experience, very successful at the college level uh, in, a, in a high pressure situation. What what is your advice to them? What's your encouragement? For know them? this that they're not alone in this situation. That there are many. This is normal. I I dealt with it. I dealt with it for thirty years. I know that there's a lot of successful coaches out there that that deal with the issues of of stress. They deal with the issues with balance. I can I can tell them that uh, I I did the same thing. And many times I had to take a reevaluation of my life and say, you know what, I didn't have my priorities right. Many times I, I got caught up and, you know, I got to win another championship. I got to win another this, that, or the other thing. I've got to make this happen. And I, I just think we have to take a step back and just say, hey, you're not in this alone. There's other people that can help you. Uh, you have to kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, evaluate your life, meet with your spouse, meet with that person that you respect so much and just say okay are we on the right path here because if we're not then we need to redirect we you know we need to redirect like siri tells us redirect and find refocus refocus (laughs) for me i i had to do that almost every year especially the last 10 years of my coaching career because it was very easy to get caught up in this trap of of success and the trap of enjoying it so much there is nothing better in prof- or any, any profession of coaching than just being able to enjoy the, the highest of highs when you win great games and you see kids respond and, and have a great relationship with players. There is no other experience, I think, in, professional, in a professional sports or professional careers like being a coach. But with that comes a, a, a great risk if you allow that to become your God your livelihood, your focus, and you forget about everything else. So I just encourage people to kind of re- take an inventory of their lives. And if that's the case, so they're in that trap, then they need to seek help from a lot of wise people that are there, and they need to reach out to them. Coach, that's going to wrap it up. I hope that was helpful. We want to thank Coach Lightfoot for coming on the show and explaining what he does, but also thank him for doing what he does as one of the 100-plus character coaches around the country that work with coaches and teams. And you can certainly get in touch with him 
Uh, his contact information is in the show notes. If you are wanting to have maybe a personal conversation and and reach out to to have the successful organization come alongside you and give you some guidance on how to bring more balance into the relationship side of your life. As you rise through the ranks of college coaching, they are there to help. That is their goal. So take advantage of it. Um, And while I have a quick second, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you uh, as a coach for for doing what you do, for helping to, to mold and invest in all of the lives that you get to touch in the, in the players and the athletes that you coach. And I also want to thank you for what you allow us to do here at Tudor Collegiate Strategies. And for those of you that you know, that know me personally, or we've done work with you and your program personally, it is such an honor to work with you. And our goal is to help you on the recruiting end of it to make it easier, more successful. But, but beyond that, the relationships that we have and that I have with all of you are it's really important and I really value them. And during this holiday season, I just wanted to let you know truly that we thank you for the opportunity to work with you and get to invest in your life and be a part of, of your ride in this uh, wonderful and stressful and crazy career that you call college coaching. So have a great holiday season. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more on the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.